your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we will be for the majority of our sermon this morning. And again, I just want to tell all of our fathers out there, happy Father's Day to you. And uh, it's, a, it's definitely something to celebrate. It's something to be joyful about. It's, it's, uh, it's part of you know, God's design for a family to obviously you know, have a father to help raise, with, help raise the children. Now, a few weeks ago, what we, what we, um, we, were, we celebrated the uh, Mother's Day. If I can, I'll, I'll just find my, my, uh, my place in the Bible so I, can, so I can speak. I can't do two things at once. <clears throat> All right, so Ephesians chapter 6. All right, yeah, so a couple weeks ago, we were celebrating Mother's Day, and we talked about the importance that it is for mothers to take their part in raising the children and the sacrifices that, that they make in order to, in, in order to uh, meet that calling that God you know, puts on their lives. And the role of the mother, it's very well recognized you know, by everyone, uh, even in the secular world, as a vital um, part of the family. In, but also in the world in which we live today, the fathers tend to be uh, being um, relegated to a position of a second-class citizen. We see it all over the, the media. We see it in the TV shows that we watch. And if you just kind of think about them, the, um, the, the father in the, in the house oftentimes is made to, to look like a dimwit or foolish. And the, and the mom comes in to show him how foolish he is. And that's the way that it kind of goes. And it's funny and it's hilarious. But that's not the reality of what it is. I mean, to raise, to raise children and to have a properly structured home, it requires both the, the male and the female, the husband and the wife coming together, filling the roles that God has put in place for them. In the world in which we live, this, we, we have these feminist movements, and I can understand they're kind of the thought process on some of it, but some of it is terribly, terribly toxic. And it's horrible the things that they're, they're pushing and they're driving. And one well-known feminist said this. She's a feminist leader. She's gone as far as to say that fathers are simply a biological necessity, but they are a psychological absurdity. So pretty much the men, all that we're good for is planting the seed for the child to be born. And after that, we are a psychological detriment to society. That is not true. That is not the idea that God has for the sake of the family. And whenever we start attacking the building blocks of our family, we will see a society go downhill very, very quickly. But the absurdity of that, in saying that, you know, that uh, the fathers are a psychological absurdity, from, that, from the standpoint of what God's Word tells us, and the evidence of very recent um, exhaustive researches shows that that statement itself is absolutely absurd. Dads have a vital role in bringing strength and stability into the home. Now, in the beginning, God created them male and female. In the beginning, he created them male and female. Different, absolutely, but completely and totally equal. You know, whenever, whenever God, God created Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone, and he created his opposite, someone to meet to his need, to meet together, and together they both coming together in one flesh union in marriage, you know, and, and reflecting the absolute image of what God is and who he is in that marriage union. So yes, male and female are different. They have different roles to play. They have different callings. And a mother has her duty and her calling. A father has his duty and his calling within the family. Yes, male and female are different. Mothers and fathers are different 
but they are equal in what they accomplish. The second, first thing we're going to take a look at is we're going to take a look in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. We're going to be talking about specifically to our fathers here and the responsibility that we have to God, the obligation that we have to God, as well as the responsibility that we have to our children. Now, the Bible is absolutely full of information and instruction for fathers. We're not going to be able to do an exhaustive study throughout the Word of God, but I will give you some of what we have that comes from this text as well as something from the Old Testament that we will get to shortly. But the first thing that he says here in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, obviously, the first people that he's addressing here is, uh, is the children, right? The children. The children have a, an obligation to God and a responsibility to their parents to be obedient. So he addresses the children first. And what we see here is that when we go into verse 4, he says, And you fathers. Fathers are the ones who are directly addressed here. Not parents in general, but specifically the fathers are addressed and they are tasked with this purpose. He said, Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. He goes from addressing the children to obey your parents. And then he says, Fathers, you must not provoke your children to wrath, but you must bring them up in the training and administration of the Lord. At first, he addresses the children to be obedient. And yes, children, you should be obedient to your fathers and to your parents and to do what they are calling you to do. But however, he doesn't just leave it alone there, does he? Paul could have said, children, obey your parents, and that, and that would be it. But he also goes as far to address the fathers on the proper instructions to give to their children for them to be obedient. There is a right way to father our children and to raise them. There's a, there's a wrong way, and both are addressed within this scripture here. So first, children, obey your parents, fathers. Train them up in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So as we go forward, the first thing that he does talk about here, he doesn't go into the affirmative, but he says, this is what I don't want you to do. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke them to anger. There's a couple of different ways that we can kind of look and try to understand what this means. Do not provoke your children to wrath. This could be, this could be as far as don't overcorrect your children or make it difficult for them to obey. You don't want to make it difficult for your children to obey. I'm not saying make it easy on your children where you do everything for them, but I'm saying create an environment that is conducive for them to, to exercise obedience in the Lord because that is right for them. And this provoking to wrath, as, as, as it could be listed, it could be ex excessive or severe punishment. I believe that discipline is a thing that we must do with our children when they are disobedient. But there is a such thing as excessive or severe punishment. Unreasonable, harsh demands. You know, as fathers, you know, we will make demands and we expect our children to be able to jump and do that. But also, I have, I've had to sit back and recognize, I've, I've seen myself in the past, you know, order my son to get this thing done but to come to find out he really didn't know how to do it. But I was demanding it be done, but yet I had not trained him to do that yet. 
So therefore, I need to make sure that, I'm, uh, that what I am requesting and, and, and demanding out of my children that it's not unreasonable, and if they don't know how to do it, and, I have, and if I have failed in training them to do that, then I believe it's an un, unreasonable and maybe even harsh to, to make those demands out of them, especially when I have failed in my responsibility in training them. So don't provoke them to wrath. Also, this could be, be seen in abuse of authority or even neglect to our children. We don't want to provoke them to wrath. Now, does that mean that, does that mean that, every, that anything that we do that makes them angry is wrong? No. Don't hear me say that. Because whenever the disciplinary rod comes to that child, they will get angry. They're not going to like it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be painful for them, and they don't, they don't want to deal with that, and they will get upset whenever they find that they are being disciplined for, for behavior that they have personally um, exercised. But the thing about it here is, is we are not to provoke anger. And we all know that person, possibly in our family, that really provokes their children. We've seen it. We can see it in the malls where it's almost like they want to they stand and fight with their kids, three or four-year-old, you know. And, and I find that to be really, really kind of disgusting whenever, whenever I see someone you know, just yelling and hollering and almost standing up to fight with their kids over something that's probably could be handled in a different way. We can find that to be provoking them to anger. And I think we need to be careful not to provoke them to anger. Okay, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the opposite here in just a minute. Now, I'm not saying that, we don't, that they don't get angry. Yes, we can be parenting properly. Whenever, whenever discipline comes, it's, it's going to happen. But we don't want to be provocative in that. Now, there's a par- and the reason why that we, want, we don't want to do that is we find that the parallel passage to this in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 21. It says, Fathers, do not provoke... Uh, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Lest they become discouraged. We don't want to provoke our children out of the risk of them becoming discouraged. And one person put it this way. We don't want them to become disheartened to a point of losing motivation, to the point of being dispirited or broken in spirit. We don't want to crush their spirit we want them to be courageous. We want them to be confident. We don't want to, be, we don't want to, pro, to provoke to a point to where we shatter their motivation to do good and to obey. We don't want to provoke them to that point. It's also put this way. Provo- you know, do not provoke your children to wrath. It implies that a person is cold, stern, harsh, and rigid, that a child's strength is sapped. That his drive for positive achievements is gone and the hope of his future is shattered. He exists and that is only it. His one goal in life is to get out from under such tyranny. Okay? So we don't want to provoke to wrath. And that's exactly what Paul is addressing here to, to, these, to these men of, of the church of Ephesus. He says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But this is what I want you to do. This is the plan that God has for raising up your children. So, so we, have a, we have an idea as far as what not to do. But we want to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord as, as the verse continues. So when we look at the phrase bring them up, there's actually one Greek word that really means to feed. It's, it's a word that's used primarily for nurturing children and providing nurture for children, providing a climate of growth and development around your children. You know, we as fathers, you know, we are the head of the house as God has set up that design. It is up to us to make sure that we bring them up and create an environment 
that is conducive to the training in the Lord. We need to create an environment and an atmosphere that, that will encourage them to continue in the Lord. And it, and it gives us a place where we can sit down with our children and open up the Word of God and train them in the admonition of the Lord. And that's our responsibility, to bring them up, to create that place where they can know that God is sovereign and know that we are there to help them and to help them grow and to pour into them and that they can learn what the word has for them. We don't want a hostile environment. And I believe that's what he's talking about here. Do not provoke your children to wrath. We don't want it to be a hostile environment in the home and under, and under the care of the father, but the father is responsible that the atmosphere of that home is going to be something that's conducive to worshiping Jesus Christ with his family and with his children. Now, to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, that's what we're going to be kind of speaking a little bit more time on this morning. But that phrase, in the training and admonition of the Lord. But in order to kind of describe this a little bit further, we're going to go to the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, now we can gather and have an understanding. To understand that phrase of, to understand the phrase, to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's going to involve a few things, and I've, I've kind of left you behind on the slides here. All right, let's see what we got there. All right, we are there. All right, good. And what that, and what that looks like as far as what God commands us to do when it comes to teaching his word. Now, notice the, the, the phrases that we see. In verse 1, it says, children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord. Okay, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And you fathers, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We have a common thing there that, that both, of these, both of these actions and the behavior that we are supposed to exemplify is coming from the Lord, and it should be that example that is set before each one. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. This is what it has for us. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Obviously, he's speaking to the parental couple here that this is something that is a responsibility laid on the parents to teach their children and to teach what? The things that I am going to command you today. These things need to be in your heart and you have the responsibility to pass this information on to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit down at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you shall, and then they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It's a pretty, it's a pretty descriptive thing that we are to do with the very commands of God as the Father's of our children. So this involves first, first of all, this involves, what does it mean to, to train them or to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord? This involves instruction. 
But this doesn't just involve any instruction. This is instruction that's grounded in the very scriptures, in the very word of God. We are obligated as fathers to raise our children up, to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord, and that requires us to open up God's word and to share it with them and teach them from this book. That is our obligation that is what God has told us as our obligation to God, and that's the responsibility that we have to our children is to open this book up and to train them and to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. According to what we just read in Deuteronomy chapter, in chapter 6, it says, These shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Look how often it says that we are to speak of this. It says, and you shall talk of them when? When you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. This is a continual pouring into our children from the very word of God, the commands of God. We must diligently teach that to our children. So, so whenever we say we're going to bring up our children in the training, in the admonition of the Lord, it involves instruction that is grounded in the very word of God. There are lots of other things that we can teach them. But the primary source of our instruction to our children falls within the pages of this book. Everything else is secondary. This is our primary thing that we teach. It comes from the very word of God. So the instruction in the Lord, the bringing up and the training and the admonition of the Lord, it regards the commands of God that need to be written on the hearts of our children by the responsibility of their fathers primarily, secondary as their parents. So not only does this involve instruction that's grounded in Scripture, but this also does involve discipline. On our part as parents, we must be there and faithful to God and, and, and faithful to God and responsible to our children, especially with the responsibility that God has given us with our children to make sure that we correct them when they are going astray. We must, be, we, must be, we must be willing and ready to do what God says. Proverbs 13, 24, it says, He who spares the, spares the rod hates his son. Hates his son. That is a harsh word of, of, of reality. But in all reality, if you just allow your, allow your kids to go off and to, and to live a life that's, that's contrary to the very word of God, you're allowing them to go down a path that leads to death and cursing. And if you love that child, you will reach out to them and correct them and reprove them according to the word of God in order that they may turn around and that they may bear fruits of righteousness as they continue, if they will be trained by it. It says, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, now this, this is in the context of God chastening those whom he loves, but the principle is still the same when it comes to discipline. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. It's painful for the parent as well as the kids. I know, kids, you don't think that's true, but we don't enjoy discipline. In fact, that's why we tend to avoid it so often. But it can be a painful thing for both parties. It's not comfortable, but it's not joyful for the present time, but it's painful during that time. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Discipline is for your benefit. Kids, you're listening? Discipline is for your benefit. It's because your parents love you so much that they will not allow you to continue going in a certain direction that will lead you to death. And parents, it's very important that we, too, have an understanding. Yes, it's uncomfortable and it is painful, but if they will be trained by it, 
They will bear fruits of righteousness that will bring them back to a relationship with the Lord. And, and, and God can be honored through your, your faithfulness to God through the discipline of your own children. But we must be willing to correct our children. Now, how do we know what they're doing is right or wrong? Well, because the commands of God are already on our hearts. The command of God is, is let the command of God be on your heart so we can understand and know that whenever they go against us, we have the ability to correct them. And when they go against the word of God, how do we correct them? We correct them with the word of God. But it, it, requ- it does require a lot, and, and, and it does require a heavy, heavy accountability on the parents to be able to do that. And we'll learn about that here as we go forward. But also looking at this, so not only does it involve in- instruction that's grounded in Scripture, but not only does it involve discipline, but it also involves time. It involves a lot of time, fathers, to do this. It involves a lot of time that we must invest in our children and the time look at the time that is allotted here just in these few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse 7 it says and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them what when when you sit down when you're sitting in your house when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up this is a continual feeding it's going to take a lot of time but this is an investment worth cutting the time out for our children need it. And in the, in, the, in the world in which we live today, we are losing our kids. And I don't believe it's the failure of the church as much as it is as a failure within the home of raising and following what the Word of God tells us to be obligated to God and responsible to our children to open up the Word of God and to train them. We have the responsibility, not only responsibility, but a tremendous gift that God is commanding us to spend time with our kids we must be ready to spend time with them so when paul is talking to the to the fathers of the church he says bring them up in the training and the admonition of the lord yes it requires instruction grounded in scripture it requires discipline it requires an 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 incredible amount of time and just just if you're a numbers person today according to what we find that the average five-year-old gets about three and a half minutes of time with his father per week. Stretch that over a period of 18 years, they got three and a half weeks with a dad. I'm not saying that that's you, I'm not pointing my finger at you, but that's just what the numbers show on average across the board. But yes, so it does take time. We must be involved with our children. Now, fathers, I'm going to speak directly to you here for a moment. This requires us as fathers that we are to be what we preach. Whenever we open up the Word of God, whenever we teach them from the Word of God, we need to make sure that we are living what we are teaching them. We must, be willing, we must have an understanding that we are practicing what we preach. Because be, I'll be honest with you, it's really hard to preach and to teach someone this Word and say, look, this is the life that you should be living. I don't care if it's your children or if it's even a Sunday school class or even if you're pastoring a church. Whenever you open up this word and you start to tell people, this is, the, this is the way that every one of us should be living, but if you're not living it, it's going to be really hard. But so not only do we teach from the word of God and instruct our children from the word of God and take the time to, 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 to discipline and to train them, but we've got to be living this out as an example for our children. There's one thing that kids are really good at pointing out, and it's hypocrisy. And everything that they're crying out right now 
in our in 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 the in the in the in the age of our in the age of our youth is they're looking for something authentic. Authenticity. I don't want I don't want to deal with something that's fake. I'm gonna tell you the hardest question I ever asked my daughter a couple years ago. You know, as a pastor, I looked at my daughter and I said, I need to ask you a question. As I'm a little bit scared to ask it. I said, Do you think that what I'm doing on Sunday morning is fake? This is somebody who's living with me every day of my life. It was a scary question to ask. I didn't really want to ask it. But I'm glad that she did say, no, I think you really, I think you really do believe what you, what you preach. That's scary. Okay, I was scared to get the answer. Okay? But however, whenever it comes to us as fathers, we are, we are tasked with bringing up our children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Every man must ask himself, where do I stand spiritually? How is my relationship with God? And many parents, what, what we find ourselves doing is we'll take our children to church because we think that the kids will learn good moral lessons there, and yes, that they will. But the lessons will lose impact if their children do not see the evidence of their parents' own spirituality lived out in their house. I don't care what you do or who who you send your your um, your kids to, whether it's week long week long trips at camp. The the the, uh, the biggest impact is going to be coming from what they see in the house. That's where the heavy impact is going to take place. And fathers, it is laid on us to make sure that we can we make an environment that is conducive to such learning in the home. We are called to that. We should be able to, we, we as dads, we should be able to look our children in the eye and we should be able to say, do as I do. Watch me, child. Watch me, son. Watch me, daughter. And whatever you see me do, I want you to do the exact same thing. And to be able to offer yourself as a, an example by which your children can mock and to copy that is what we should be able to do. I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a scary thing to ask. That's a scary thing to say. But if we're living in obedience to the very word of God, we should be able to look our children in the, in the eye and say, follow me and do what I do. Does that mean that we're, not, we're going to be perfect? Does that mean that we're not going to make mistakes? Absolutely not. But whenever we do make mistakes, what do we do? We're obedient to the word of God and we allow our children to see the repentance and we, and we allow our children to see us falling on our knees before God and asking for forgiveness and the strength to not do it again before them. And that would be the extreme example that the children would need to see. And that is what's going to impact our children in the next generation. So as we prepare for a time of invitation this morning and as our praise team makes their way back to the stage, we need to have the realization that fathers, we bear a tremendous obligation to God and a responsibility to our children for the moral life that our family lives in this world. And so what I would, if I could just urge you fathers to take responsibility, to realize of that responsibility. And I pray that you'll be involved with the lives of your children, that you will invest into them what God has instructed us to invest in them primarily how to live their life according to Jesus. To bring them to a point of repentance and faith in Jesus to where, and, uh, and to where you can be the one who sits there with them at the point where you're sharing Jesus and you are the one who's able to win them to Christ because of the effort that you put in the, and the investment that you put into your children. But also want to encourage you to be that leader. But also want to warn you 
I want, to, I want to give you a great warning. There's competition for your job. You're going to have to fight for your position in the world in which we live today. You are competing with media. You're, you're competing with social media, video games. Satan is looking at, looking at any possible way that he can drive the wedge between you and your children because Satan knows if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the church, and he can destroy a society. There is a competition for your job. And the more time that your children spend with these things, the more that they will shape your children and undo the things that you may be trying to instill in them. There are distractions that will pull you away from this responsibility as well. Not only will this wedge be driven by, by, um, by, by what your children are, are distracted from, but this, will all, but this world will also distract you from the job that God has called you to do. And my plea is don't allow anything to steal the very precious gift of following your children away from you. In this passage, what we find here is we, are, we find a call to reject the passivity that many fathers will exercise, but we are called to be very active in raising our children. The responsibility says, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. We are to be active in this. We are to create the atmosphere for learning and worshiping Jesus within our homes. And we are tasked with that this morning through the very scripture. And I would also, I would also implore you to never relinquish this duty. Never relinquish this God-given responsibility to anyone or to anything else. This is a gift and this is a blessing that God wants for you to experience. He wants to have you training your children. There is no one else better for the job. There is no one else that is going to be more equipped for this. There is no one else that can, that can do the calling that God has called upon his fathers to take up. You are the man for the job. God will equip you to do it. This is our calling, and this is our duty. And it should be very well our greatest passion in pouring in to our own children. Let's stand. Let's have a hymn of invitation.